The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you or somebody you know hoard? You aren't alone. Hoarding affects millions of people throughout the world. You can do something about it and regain personal control. Welcome to Take Back Your Life When Your Things Are Taking Over with host Elaine Birchall. Reduce and relieve yourself from the shame and blame clutter causes in your life. You can do it and we'll show you how. Now, here's your host, Elaine Birchall. Hello, everyone. I'm Elaine Birchall, your host. Welcome back, everyone, from all over 12 countries that tuned in this past week alone. I have very exciting news this week. Johns Hopkins University Press has asked to publish the book that Sue Conkright and I have been writing for the past two years on hoarding. We've agreed, and we're going to sign the contract after the show today. The title of our new book is Clearing the Path, When Clutter Becomes Hoarding, and What You Can Do About It. It will be finished late June 2017, and it'll go to presses as soon as possible after that. If you're interested in having a signed copy, you can pre-order by leaving your name and contact information with me at www.hoarding.ca under the tab, which will be set in place this week. You don't need to pay a deposit. Just let us know you want a copy and provide the information needed to let us know, to let you know when your copy is available. Today, we're going to continue to discuss proven tools that work. As you might have guessed, today's show then is titled Theory into Action, Part 2 tools that work. When you feel ready, you can use them to move forward in your life or to support someone else to do the same in their life. Please don't settle for remaining overwhelmed, especially when what you want the most is and seems as impossible as it does right now really truly is just a choice away. I love the fact that so many of you from all over the world come back every Wednesday from 10 till 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 till 2 p.m. Eastern Time to be with me live or later on demand on Voice America's Variety Channel. In order to finish the book on time, December 21st show will be my last show for a while. But the broadcasted shows will remain available to you as podcasts on my website, www.hoarding.ca. So you can drop by the website anytime you need to and listen to them as often as you want. I hope to return to Voice America once the work on the book is completed and have even been contacted by about doing a TV show 
Great adventures ahead. The same can be true for you, though. If you just leave yourself open to the best the world has to offer you. First and foremost, though, you need to commit to yourself to not stay stuck and overwhelmed by clutter. How to undo the piles and pathways will become more possible. But first, you have to commit to yourself not to settle for less than you deserve. And one tiny baby step at a time every day. Move forward on the tasks necessary to get past, get past the clutter that keeps you stuck. Repeatedly reviewing the past shows might help you to remind yourself of the tools available and using that one tool that seems possible, one at a time, very slowly And deliberately, I promise you, will get you to where you dream of being. So please don't be shy. I want to hear from you today. No matter where you're listening from, I need to know how you're doing and what you feel you can do to take back your life and how I can help you to do that. You can reach me by calling our worldwide toll-free number, 1-866-472-5792. Or emailing us at Elaine, E-L-A-I-N-E dot Birchall, B-I-R-C-H-A-L-L at Hoarding, H-O-A-R-D-I-N-G dot C-A. And my trusty assistant here, Donna, will make sure I get your email and I'll answer your question. Or if all you can manage today is just to listen in, if that's what you're most comfortable with, then that's what you should do. Now let's get started. We've got a lot of information to cover today. Just in case you're tuning in for the first time, I'm going to do a tiny recap of the most important background information. If you're wondering whether something is a hoarding situation of your own or someone else's, here are three really easy criteria to help you decide. First, There must be what most people would describe as an excessive accumulation of things or animals or the combination, and a failure to discard or resolve those things proportionately. That does not mean one thing in, one thing out. It means having a sense, that innate sense, when things are starting to get out of control. The second criteria that must be present, the activities of daily life, and if you don't know what those are, go to my website under the resources tab, and there is an activities of daily living quiz sheet there. You can check what they are. But those regular things that we all have to do every day either have started to become impaired or they're already impaired because the spaces that you're trying to use can't be used for their intended purpose. The third criteria, somebody's upset. They're distressed, either the person hoarding themselves or someone else. 
that even counts if someone had the information they need to know that they should be concerned about the property, even if they don't know actively right now and they're not actually distressed at the moment, that criteria still exists because the functioning of the person in the hoarded environment has started to become impaired. Impaired means, yes, you're still living in the environment, but you're making all kinds of unsafe and unhealthy, risky adaptations to do it. And sometimes that gets to feel normal. You forget what normal really feels like. So for something to be a hoarding situation, each of those three criteria must exist even to a tiny extent. The most important thing I'm going to say to you today is there are two essentials for any level of success. The first is getting the person help with the underlying reasons they hoard or clutter in the first place. And second, based on that counseling, that insight that they develop, begin to clean up the property and clean up the risks as well. There are basically three paths to a hoarding situation. We do know that 84% of hoarders have a first-degree family relative that hoards, a mother, father, sister, brother, or child. So there does seem to be a higher risk hereditarily in families. Or if you have one of a long list of other, usually mental health conditions. Sometimes, though, it's physical health conditions as well. You have a higher risk of also developing hoarding. Do those other life situations, as other illnesses or disorders, do they cause hoarding? No, they don't. All right. And if you resolve those, you, um, you become undepressed, generally... It doesn't affect the hoarding. Once the hoarding sets in, you have a whole new disorder that you need to deal with, and you need to deal with it very with very specific strategies, a very specific work you need to do to undo the hoarding or the clutter and keep yourself maintaining a less cluttered environment. The third path... And I I believe that many, many people who would never believe that they're susceptible to creating a hoarding situation are vulnerable to this third path. And that is when you're just not the most organized person. You're just kind of a little bit chronically overwhelmed. And then something happens to destabilize you. Either one big thing or a series of smaller things in a compressed period of time. But you don't have time to recover and restabilize. You can end up creating a hoarded environment um, without meaning to. So if your default behavior under two different kinds of stress, positive or negative, is one of these two choices to fill the void that you feel by acquiring and saving items or 
So in that case, the stuff is your friend. The more you have, the closer you have it around you, the better you feel. Or you stop processing the things that come into your life every day. And that could be empty food containers, the garbage, used Kleenex, uh, bags, It doesn't matter. Just look around you. The things you touch every day begin to build up and you then kind of stop noticing and you become clutter blind. All right. Those two different camps, those two different behavior choices, they put you at a higher risk as well of waking up one day and saying, what happened? I want to remind you, too, that if you're working with someone or you love someone and you're concerned about them, you really need to assess accurately what stage of change they're at. Because if you've got someone at the first stage of change, pre-contemplation, it isn't even on their radar. They don't acknowledge there's a problem. They don't consider there's a problem. They think that you're the problem or that you're exaggerating. You're not going to very easily and maybe not very realistically expect that person to move to an action plan. So pre-contemplation is that stage where the person doesn't really, they're not on board at all. They don't believe there's a problem and they don't see it the way anybody else does. The second stage of change is contemplation. And contemplation is, yeah, they're starting to consider that this might be a problem sometimes, but they're only starting to consider it. The third stage of change is preparation. They acknowledge, yeah, you know what, this is a problem and... um, They haven't quite assessed how big a problem it is, but they're starting to prepare tools usually. So they're getting garbage bags if they notice that things have disintegrated or they're deteriorated or, you know, food has gone rotten in the fridge. They may be getting, you know, latex gloves to use to pick up things that are a little questionable. Um, They're thinking of where they're going to put, maybe getting an extra recycling bin um, to put Uh, newspapers and they're looking at magazines and they're realizing that nobody wears padded shoulders anymore and so maybe they could let those magazines go they're starting to prepare but that's just starting to prepare the fourth stage of change is action that's when somebody is more ready and willing to make themselves available to act on what they see. And that's an ideal time to be bringing in hoarding informed expert help to take advantage of that window of opportunity when they enter the action stage of change. And then when the person helping, whether it's you, a clutter coach, me, someone else who knows what they're talking about, about hoarding, is helping that person achieve reclaiming their spaces. And they get to a point where really they're pretty much on top of it. And now all they have to do is maintain it. Maintenance is the four is the fifth stage of change. 
I just want to do a very quick review as well and remind you. Um, a, a big first step for you if you're struggling with hoarding is to write these unproductive thinking patterns down or go to Dr. David Byrne's book, 10 Days to Self-Esteem. He has a wonderful module on problematic thinking styles. There are 11 of them. One is all or nothing thinking, and that's where it's a positive or an absolute positive or an absolute negative. And in this situation, people don't really allow themselves options, and they end up very often all or nothing, throwing the baby out with the bathwater if it isn't perfect. It's a very limiting, very polarizing way of thinking, and you miss a lot. The second um, unproductive thinking pattern is overgeneralization. Overgeneralization means that when You have had an experience. Maybe in the past you went for counseling and perhaps it didn't work out that well um, or you didn't choose the therapist very effectively. Um, Choosing a therapist is like buying shoes. There doesn't have to be anything wrong with you and there doesn't have to be anything wrong with them, but there does have to be a fit between you both. And so because it didn't work out in the past or you've tried something and it didn't work out, you just com- just summarily disregard it as an option because it didn't work out then, it won't work out now. That's overgeneralizing. Context is everything. Okay, you change, situations change, um, your strengths and your barriers change. You're a slightly different person. It's worth giving it another try in a different context. Jumping to conclusions is when you mind read a situation or you mind read someone else, but you never check with them that what you're assuming to be true is actually true. All right. And Quite often, it's very isolating, and you're not working from from fact. You're working from feelings. Magnification and catastrophizing is when a situation exists, and you build it up in your mind to it being much bigger, much more onerous than it really is, or it really has to be, and you feel incapable or over you you let it overwhelm you rather than breaking it down into tiny chunks one baby step at a time you can move a mountain folks and when you move your mountain you do it one stone at a time you don't move the whole mountain in one fell swoop so don't allow yourself to catastrophize um, the magnitude of what you have to do If it's too heavy to carry, break it down into baby chunks until you can carry it. Because you can't get to where you want to be without doing that. Discounting the positive means you never allow yourself to feel positive. Oh, it doesn't count. Yes, you know, you've got these assets, you've got these strengths, but look at all the problems you have. Fill your cup with the positives that are honestly true about you and own them. 
That's what you work from. I'm going to wind up before we go to break with the sixth unproductive thinking pattern, and that is emotional reasoning. Reasoning, Feelings aren't facts. It's important that we respect our feeling, that we own them, that we let our feelings flow through us, but we are not limited by our feelings. Feelings aren't facts. I'll see you for Unproductive Thinking Pattern 7 right after the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If the financial markets interest you, if you want to potentially earn a higher return, if you're not satisfied with your investment returns, or if you're only making 1% on your investments sitting in the bank, do you see the stock market hitting record highs but feel you have no one to trust? Voice America's own Jordan Kimmel, the host of Magnet Investing for over seven years, is applying his strategies of magnet investing and is managing individual accounts. Jordan Kimmel has joined InvestView, the Red Bank, New Jersey investment education and asset management firm and his team can help you. Contact Jordan and the team at InvestView at 732-380-7271 or by email at jkimmel at investview.com. If you would like a complimentary portfolio review or to speak to a representative, call us. Past performance of investments are not indicative of future results. Investing is inherently risky. All recommendations should be researched by the investor. Call InvestView at 732-380-7271. That's 732 732- 8007271 If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We were talking about unproductive or problematic thinking patterns. The seventh of 11 is moral reasoning, and that's when you should yourself to death. All right? Should is just a list of rules. It's an external way to judge yourself, and it never made anybody do anything. All right? Should is not going to get you moving. It's just going to make you feel bad about what you're not doing. I tell my clients, no shoulding. Okay, no shoulding. Life is a choice. Should is a shovel that just digs you in that rut deeper. So when you find yourself saying, I should or you should, I want you to do something and just have a little fun with it. I want you to put your finger on your navel 
and I want you to press. And at the same time, I want you to go, because that's the sound of you letting the steam out of yourself. That would be like you going outside and letting the air out of the tires on your car if you or your bike if you have one. And then expecting that that bike is actually going to get you anywhere. How reasonable is that? Have a little fun with that should. Every time you find yourself doing that, you're undermining yourself. So have a little fun with it because you can't be afraid of something you can laugh at. So try it. It worked. One time I was working with a young woman who was a paralegal and she was in a meeting and she was a terrible shudder and we would laugh about it. And so I told her this little trick for just really catching yourself. Put your finger on your navel and push and then make a big sound of air expelling. And she was in the middle of the meeting and she said, I just thought I'm going to. And she she did it in the meeting and she said, I did get some very interesting uh, reactions from people. And she said, the whole room broke up when I told them uh, why I was doing it. And before too long, she said, there were a number of shudders in the office who started doing it. It became kind of, um, you know, a joke that people shared uh, to stop each other. The eighth unproductive thinking pattern is a double standard. Now, this can work two ways. The double standard can be that you're exempt from the rules for certain reasons. You exempt yourself. Or you set a much higher standard for yourself. And generally, this is what individuals who hoard do. They're pretty tough on themselves. And all they're doing is loading themselves up with guilt and shame and blame, as if they're not getting enough of that from the world outside. So stop with the double standard. Labeling. We are more. Every single person in this world has has a chore, has a, a burden to carry. We are support we all have a lesson to learn in life. That's part of the human condition, myself included, you, everybody else who's listening, everybody else who isn't listening. And we are all more than the labels that other people apply to us or we apply to ourselves. The 10th unproductive thinking pattern is underestimating yourself. And I think as we've gone through all of the the thinking patterns to this point, I think you can see there are so many ways we underestimate and demoralize ourselves so that we don't feel capable. You are capable and you are worthy of the very best that you are prepared to work for that this world has to offer you. So own it, accept it, visualize it, and it can be true. The 11th uh, unproductive thinking pattern is overestimating oneself. Now, where this can be a real problem is and because it demoralizes you even more, is to say, oh, well, this weekend I'm just going to close the door, lock the door, take the phone off the hook, um, not accept any social invitations, and I'm just going to fix this whole apartment or this whole house. I can do it in this short period of time. And then, of course, when you can't or you don't, you feel that you failed. 
It's also very important if you happen to be unfortunate enough that you are a concern to an enforcement branch of your local municipality, like the fire department, public health, bylaw, property standards, animal control, children's services, um, any one of those enforcement agencies, and you overestimate what you're capable of doing when they're helping you try to set reasonable guidelines and deadlines for work to be done. Don't overestimate what you can do. Whatever you think you can do, have it, all right? Promise half or less. So people ask me all the time, why do I do this? I don't understand. I don't like it. I don't feel good about it. And basically, there are seven common reasons for saving. One is that the things help you manage intolerable emotions, that they give you a little jolt of joy, a little pick-me-up, a little a little something to look forward to. And that is what you settle for your source of emotional comfort. Things can never comfort you, right? They are never enough to comfort you. That's why you need so much. You're using the wrong thing to try to fill your emotional need. The second common reason is a fear of loss or mistakes. So if I if I give it up, if I let it go, if I donate it, throw it out because it's broken or worn out, somehow later on it'll be so important I might need it again. But if you do, what's the worst that can happen? The last item that you're afraid to give away or part with, okay, is not the last of its kind on this earth. Someone can lend it to you. You can rent it. There are a whole myriad of options. You don't have to be afraid. The one thing I've learned, and I didn't start out believing this, but boy, I have come to believe it because I've had to bump my head on it many, many times, and that is... The universe will provide what you need, when you need it, in the order you need it, if you're awake and listening and open to it. The third common reason for saving is that you look at something and you apply a meaning or a value, a uniqueness to it that it doesn't intrinsically have. And Generally, you do that to so many things that you're seeing the possibilities, but you're never taking a step back and asking yourself how important that possibility is to you personally. And so you keep it just in case. A fourth reason um, is that the person's identity their status. Um, It defines them. It says something about who they are, what they're worth, how how much they count. You know the adage, uh, the the guy with the most toys wins? Um, Their identity is tied up in it, and items become a part of them. 
items are just things. They're just material things. You are giving it a meaning that that thing really truly doesn't have. And the reason it is so important to realize that is things are finite. They will break get lost, stolen, they will deteriorate, they'll go missing. And what then? What are you going to use for an emotional crutch or emotional support then? Whatever the grief is in parting with something you no longer need or that is beyond its useful date, deal with that at the time. Don't avoid it. Don't delay. All right. Because a day will come when you have to face that anyway. And it might as well be sooner than later. Hyper responsibility for items. You know that old adage, it's a sin to waste? Well, it is a sin to waste, but for some people. However, keeping things that you are not honoring, that you are not using just for the sake of keeping them is also waste. Having things just to have them and having things in excess just for the security of having them is also waste. I ask you to consider, honor the thing. If you do not have an imminent use for that thing or need for that thing, then pass it on to somebody who at this point in time does need it and they will appreciate it and they will value it. The only loss in that is you won't get to see the face of the person who is now appreciating your generosity and your sharing. But that's a small cost to pay. Memory aids. So many people that I work with tell me they don't trust their memory and that a lot of the drawers and cupboards in their house or their apartment are empty because they have to leave things out as a memory aid. And yet when they do that and they try to find an item, they churn they, they're looking for it, they're, they're delving into the pile, and what they're really doing is churning the items so that they become lost in the piles. And that just reinforces a, solf, a, a false belief that you can't trust your memory. Usually, if, if you really believe that you can't trust your memory, you should go to your doctor, your family doctor, and explain in concrete reasons why you believe that and ask them to test your memory. All right. Control is another reason. That at times when we have the least control in our life and we feel the most overwhelmed and vulnerable, we pick things to control as a replacement for the control and the chaos that we have otherwise in our life. And controlling those things becomes evidence that we're not spinning out of control. So before we go to break um, in a minute or two, I want to read some questions to you. These are questions that I've developed The first set is about, should I bring this home? Because people don't just buy things. They buy, they pick things up at the curb, they pick up free uh, free things, they sometimes steal. Question number one, do you need it now or in the near future? 
do you have others like it? Not exactly the same, but like it that you can use instead. What makes this item that you feel such a need to hold on to and keep special and unlike anything you already have? How would your life change without it? And could you face that? You've survived so far. What is so unique, so special, and so urgent about this thing that it feels like you couldn't manage without it or you couldn't face managing without it? If you're acquiring something for someone else, have you asked them first if they want it? Have you got things for other people and not delivered them? Can you find those things and give those things instead of buying new or acquiring new? Should I let this go? Do I love this? And if the answer is yes, and you have enough permanent home space for it, where it would be used, then keep it. Is this item you today moving forward? Or is this item somebody you used to be? Are you better living in the present or staying in the past? What works better for you today being you moving forward? Do you use this often? Could you get it elsewhere if you needed it? Could you borrow it? Could you rent it? Could you share it with someone and they store it? Could you buy it used? Are you keeping this thing because you miss someone and they liked it? Do you love it? If you donated it, would it comfort you if someone else who also loved it, loved it as much as the person who treasured it and gave it to you loved it, If they had it instead, they used it, and they loved it, sometimes it's a really good choice to honor the thing. You honor your relationship with people you love and you miss. You honor your own achievements if it's something that you've achieved, and this is a symbol of it. If you no longer need it, and it's it's not useful to you, and there are too many of them, it's perfectly okay to honor the thing and pass it on and thereby honor the love that the person had for you in giving it to you, honor how much they meant to you, and honor your own achievement by passing things on and sharing. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about setting goals. I'll see you after the break, everyone. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 
4817 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. So for the last section of this show today, I'm going to take you through some rather practical uh, tools. I'm a big believer in there's more to life than decluttering. That's a strange thing for a hoarding behavior and intervention specialist perhaps to say, but you need balance in your life. And when you're looking to things to fill a void, when you're looking to things to give yourself that little pick-me-up, a reason to feel and it just to prove that you still can feel when you're so overwhelmed. I think it's a really good time to take a step back. And what I do is I ask my clients to set three goals, okay? And the three goals are very specific goals because what I found over more than 14 years of working with people who hoard or are on that continuum is that change is often so challenging for each and every one of us, myself included. And hoarding clutter doesn't happen in isolation of other life challenges, believe me. When one thing goes wrong, it seems, it feels like other things often follow. You know how we say bad things happen in threes? Whether that's true or just a perception, that certainly is often the way we experience it. And the meaning we give to things is the way we overwhelm ourselves. The situation itself is not what hurts us. It's the meaning and the power we give it. That's what brings us to our knees and makes things an uphill climb. What's also true, though, is that when one thing goes better, other things also often follow. Improvement in one area adds support for other areas as well. So let's look at those three areas of life and consider a reasonable goal for each. So as I read these to you, I want you to take out a pen and paper and I want you to write down some ideas, just a few ideas that come to mind right away for how you uniquely, as a unique individual, all right, 
with your life as it is right now today, not wishing for it to be different, how today you moving forward could make set a goal in these three areas. It starts today, folks. The first goal, I want you to look at how you can add more joy, fun, and play in your life every single day. What would increase joy, a little more fun, adding play into your life? What would that be for you? The second goal I want you to set for yourself. We all do better when we think, when we believe and we know and we sense in ourselves that we're not stagnant. So I want you to imagine learning something, even just beginning. Remember, baby steps. You don't have to move the whole mountain. Baby steps. To learn something that you've always wanted to know more about or you've always wanted to do better or you've always wanted to do period. All right. That then will promote in you and remind you that you are a growing, learning, developing human being. You may feel overwhelmed. You may feel like you're stuck sometimes, but there will be that other part of you that will give you energy and hope. And the third goal I want you to set for yourself is deciding one baby step thing in an area that would give you the most satisfaction that you could do starting today. Start today, not tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes when you wait for tomorrow. Start today. What could you do to reduce the clutter that you live with? What would that be? Now, here's something I really want you to watch out for. Do not undermine yourself and overwhelm yourself by looking at how much there is to do. Pick one area of one room, small baby step, and work strategically as you put your hand on each thing Resolve it. And if you only resolve two things, that's two more. Two more than you had yesterday or earlier today before the show. And tomorrow, you go back to exactly the same area and you pick up another two things and resolve them. Don't move them. Don't put them down somewhere else. Now, if you pick something up and it has to go because you do need it or you love it, if you love it, keep it, all right? I think we should only be surrounded by the things we love the most, things that give us meaning and the things that we need, all right? So if this is a need, love, keep thing, I want you to close your eyes, Hold it, close your eyes, and I want you to ask yourself, if I was looking for you, where would the first place I'd look be? And that's its permanent space. Go and put it in that area. 
even though right now you may not be able to put it away. There might be something else in that space. That's okay. That's okay. So long as you are not creating an imminent safety or health hazard, sometimes you're going to make another space a little bit worse until you resolve it. Because one of the really powerful things is when you go to that space where you've moved all these other things because that's where they should go, and you think, how in heaven's name can this little space solve and hold this many things? then you'll be able to really fully appreciate in tangible, concrete ways how unrealistic your expectation is that this space can hold the number of things that mentally you place it. So, okay, well, that's where it would go. But when you only do that change mentally, you don't actually do it physically, concretely, and tangibly. You don't really... It doesn't really sink in what you're doing. So take that thing, put it where you would first look for it, and solve the problem of the space that you're starting to clear and work on. I also want, before we wind up, to talk to you about some resources. Now, this is on my website, but I want to draw your attention to it. Um, I have a hoarding and associated disorder resource list, uh, and I want to draw your attention to the works by Dr. David Burns, the Feeling Good series. So it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. The moods, managing your moods. When you feel stuck and overwhelmed, okay, one of the first things you need to start to do is to take back ownership and power over the way your moods swing. And he has a series, Feeling Good, the New Mood Therapy a book that was revised in, uh, the first one, I guess, was 1999. And I highly, highly recommend the 10 Days to Self-Esteem workbook that goes with it. Do yourself a favor. All right. Go and get that, uh, that book at your local bookstore. Another book that is really, really useful. Now, I've said this a number of times before. I can't say it often enough. And that is Dr. Jane Burka and Dr. Lenora Ewan's book, Procrastination. Why you do it and what you can do about it now. Uh, just in case you need the ISBN numbers, maybe you want to order it online. The ISBN number for Feeling Good, the New Mood Therapy book is 9780380073176 and I'm just going to ask Donna to take one of the 10 days to self-esteem workbooks off the bookcase, Donna, and hand it to me so I can give them the ISBN number for that as well. 
The second book I highly recommend is the Procrastination book. Procrastination has been given a bad name and it's greatly misunderstood unconscious behavior choice. You really need to get a handle on that. If you own up to being a procrastinator, you really need to know more about it. It actually is an unconscious way to save yourself from something that's even scarier than um, calling yourself a procrastinator, having somebody else um, call you a procrastinator, or suffering the anxiety of the undone and the shame of the undone deeds. And its ISBN number is 978-07-382-11701. Another book that is, I'm told by my clients, a really easy read. It resonates with them. It's not the definitive book on hoarding. My book, of course, will be the definitive book on hoarding, in case anybody wonders. But it's not published quite yet. This book is called Overcoming Compulsive Hoarding, Why You Save and How You Can Stop. The ISBN number for it is 157 22434x Another book if you tend to be a perfectionist is the perfectionist's handbook Take risks invite criticism and make the most of your mistakes ISBN number for it 978047 Zero nine two three three six eight. Let me see. And then ten days to self-esteem. Here it is. ISBN number nine seven eight zero six eight eight zero nine four five five three. Now I don't get anything for plugging those books, but I believe that the best way to get the best results is to start with the best information. And those books provide the best information that I know. So this week, I'm going to give you a little cheat sheet that I want you to use as well as a tool. Every time you find yourself in a fix and you're not feeling too good about it, I want you to do this. I want you to ask yourself four questions. One is, why is this happening to me? Why me? Now, regardless of whether it's happening to other people too, why is it happening to me? Why is it happening now? What is it about the context, the way I'm doing things, the way I'm thinking about things, the way I'm approaching it, what I haven't done? Why is it happening now? How is this situation being maintained? What am I doing? Because you can only control and change yourself. You can't change the other guy and you can't count on changing the context. How is this situation being maintained by me, by how I'm thinking, how I'm behaving, the choices I'm making, how am I maintaining this? Fourth and last question, what keeps this situation from being resolved? 
What am I doing? What am I part of or what am I not doing that keeps this situation from being resolved? And then go back to your three goals. What can I do to move forward each day to add more joy, fun, and play? To be a learning, developing, human, be- growing human being? And deciding one baby step that I can do every day, tiny, no more than 15 minutes to reduce the clutter I'm living with and feel better about myself. Be gentle with yourself this week, folks. Be good to yourself, okay? And work on those goals, and I will see you next week. Take care. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Elaine Birchall for another edition of Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you declutter your home and your life again next week.